Business Class, a podcast sponsored by the iBear MBA program of the USC Marshall School of Business. Expert insight into the world of business. Today, Business Class is in the Pacific Island nation of Palau. Palau is a small country that is having a giant impact by enacting policies that recognize that a nation's economy is inextricably entwined with its environment. So Palau's leadership has really seen that environment is the economy and the economy is the environment. In part one of this story, we learn that it's all about the tuna and we explore how a regional alliance helped this island nation to gain economic leverage on fishing giants such as China, Spain, Japan, and the U.S. The biggest natural uh, resource commodities across Micronesia is uh, its tuna fish. We spoke with Stephen Victor, the director of the Nature Conservancy's Micronesia program. My name is uh, Stephen uh, Victor, and I'm the director of the Nature Conservancy uh, Micronesia program. We operate in Palau, Guam, uh, Commonwealth of the Northern Mariana Islands, Federated States of Micronesia, and the Marshall Islands. The Micronesia region is quite remote. Uh, islands are small, but the territory is quite huge. The Micronesia region uh, combined, the waters, uh, is about the size of the continental United States. We talked tuna. Countries like Japan, Taiwan, uh, Spain, and the U.S., uh, China, all trying to get uh, access to fish uh, in these waters. Uh, so the Micronesia region is part of what is known as the Paris to the Nauru Agreement. They, they are nine uh, Pacific Islands that controls uh, about 60% uh, of the global tuna supply. And so there's a lot of interest uh, from fishing nations uh, getting access to fish in these waters. The problem Fishing fleets of big countries could swoop into the waters of Palau, catch the tuna, and sail off over the horizon. No benefit came to the country, and Palau had no way to limit who fished and how much they took. Prior to PNA being established in the early 2000s, its nation would negotiate individually with its country within the region. And in that way, they can negotiate pricing and can give aid to uh, have a little bit more access. PNA stands for Parties to the Nauru Agreement. In the PNA, nine island nations formed an alliance. Micronesia, Kiribati, Nauru, the Marshall Islands, the Solomon Islands, Papua New Guinea, Tuvalu, and Palau. And over time, islands uh, leader recognized that if they were working alone with these big countries, they were on the losing end. So they decided to come together and establish the, what is known as the Paris to the Nauru Agreement. They developed a plan called the Vessel Day Scheme to auction off the fishing days allowed for each vessel in their waters. And in that approach, they use uh, one type of management approach which is called the Vessel Day Scheme. So each country is allocated certain vessel days depending on how much fish are captured in their waters. And so the fishing nations have to work through PNA to purchase these fishing rights. And in that way, it's a little bit more controlled. 
there's, it's easier for these nations to work together to manage these huge uh, open waters because if they were to do it as a nation on their own, it becomes a huge task. We wanted to know what part the Nature Conservancy played in these economic-based conservation techniques. The Nature Conservancy's uh, work in Micronesia is really focused on uh, improving uh, ocean conservation to benefit the people of Micronesia. So we do a lot of work around uh, protected areas, uh, coastal fisheries, and more recently, uh, in the last uh, three to five years, we have engaged on working with tuna, and these are really to help ensure that uh, Micronesians can have, continue to have access to these resources that are very important to their economy, their livelihood, but very important uh, in contributing to biodiversity conservation. So the Nature Conservancy has been in Micronesia for 29 years now, and we have been a very trusted partner with uh, the government in the region. So oftentimes we uh, join the country delegations to these global uh, meetings as part of uh, their delegation providing uh, technical support and advice to them on negotiations around uh, climate change, around uh, biodiversity conservation, and around uh, how to better improve management uh, of the tuna resources and how to uh, think about business model that uh, increase their value capture from the fishery. So we approach it from conservation standpoint while really looking at ways in which uh, the countries improve management but also continue to benefit from the resources. In about uh, 2006, uh, the Nature Conservancy uh, worked with uh, the government in Micronesia to come together to establish an initiative called the Micronesia Challenge. Uh, and the challenge is really a commitment from the government of Palau, the government of Guam, the government of the Commonwealth of the Northern Mariana Islands, government of the Federated States of Micronesia, and the government of the Marshall Islands to commit to conserving. 30% of their nearshore marine waters and 20% of their terrestrial resources. In 2006, they went to a conference of the party meeting on conservation of biological diversity in Curitiba, Brazil, and they announced this commitment uh, to the world. And Nature Conservancy was very instrumental in bringing the governments together and making commitment uh, to this government that. Uh, uh, to support this initiative. So the Nature Conservancy provided uh, $3 million to establish a seed endowment. And in that process, other uh, multilateral uh, agencies also committed to supporting uh, the Micronesia Challenge. So that's one example of how uh, uh, the Nature Conservancy has been able to rally the governments together to have one voice that really uh, address uh, global impact to the biodiversity. Uh, and leverage uh, other, commit, uh, other resources to help uh, uh, these governments manage and protect uh, biodiversity in the region. Next, we focused in on the connections between business and sustainability. Conservation and business uh, shouldn't be at a class. I think a responsible businessman 
especially if you're doing business around fisheries, around tourism in this region, you would think you would know that long-term sustainability of your business depends on the resource itself. So for a fisherman, if you want to be fishing for the next 20, 30 years, it's in your best interest to manage the fishery. Otherwise, you'll overfish the, the resource. So the investment that you're putting into your vessels, into your gears, you want to get the return and then there's no fish. And same goes to tourism. A developer who comes and develops a hotel should, get a, should expect a return in about 30 years. And so if you destroy the reefs that brings the tourists, then who's going to come and uh, pay your loan? So a responsible businessman uh, should see that the environment benefits their business. So in today's world uh, where there's a tendency to think about the resource as a public resource, uh, this whole notion of tragedy of the commons is very prevalent. There's always a race to fish because if you don't, somebody else uh, will get the resource before you do. And, and that's the mindset that uh, I think conservation is hoping to, to change. We asked Stephen if he was seeing a shift in power. Are the small island nations gaining more control? I believe the, the countries that own the resource are forcing the fishing nations to make those shifts. I think the countries that own the resource are beginning to realize that they have uh, the power as a region to work with big nations to address these pressing issues that uh, uh, affect both their livelihood, their existence, and their economy. So in the past, they worked as individual countries. I think uh, they've figured out a, a path to work as one voice within the global community by working as a community of Pacific Islanders. I believe that it is changing. Palau is a trendsetter in terms of connecting economy and environment. Stephen described how this understanding comes from the Palauan culture. So Palau uh, has recognized that importance of the lingus between the environment and the economy and the protection of the environment. Uh, uh, we live in uh, an island nation where the resources uh, is very scarce. Uh, we see our economy is based on tourism, people coming from all over the world to enjoy the uh, beauty uh, and the underwater marine life of Palau. And Palau has soon recognized that that's the uh, golden jewel that Palau has. We don't have oil, we don't have uh, any other natural resources that we can export with exception of tuna. Uh, and so Palau has taken this approach of really protecting the environment to ensure that uh, it protects the economy, but most importantly, it contributes to protecting the very way of life of a Palawan. Uh, a Palawan is a person that uh, lives on an island. A Palawan is a person that goes fishing. A Palawan is a person that interacts with the ocean and the land. And so if we destroy uh, our marine water so we cannot no longer go fishing, then we're just another person on this planet. We are no longer called Palawan. 
So this really strong sense of identity and the strong sense that uh, Palawans have lived in these islands for thousands of years because they had the system of protecting their environment uh, for themselves and the resource that sustained them. So that is the mental model that the Palau's leadership has uh, recognized and put it into policy. Then we talked about how Palau's view that the environment is the economy comes from its leadership. I think Palau's president has recognized uh, and I think uh, he understands global and geopolitics. Uh, I think uh, he recognized that uh, our relationship with the United States is one of our greatest assets. Uh, we are lucky to have the protection of the United States. And the United States has been able to help uh, uh, Palau build an economy uh, to a level where I think Palau can begin to stand on its two feet and negotiate just like any other nation uh, in the global uh, arena. And, and uh, Palau understand its uh, role within the United States nation that it has one vote, just like China has one vote although we only have 20,000 people and China has billions of people. Uh, and China has much more uh, resources and a much more financial capital that they can use that to leverage their own politics. But I think Palau has been able to figure out a way to operate within that sphere of not being pushed around by these big global nations. I believe he understands uh, the business of uh, the environment that contributes to the economic of Palau. And he understands that uh, business that operates in Palau depends on a healthy environment. In our next episode, we'll move from macro to micro. Instead of talking geopolitics and fishing rights between nations, we look at how a small group of island fishers and a small group of island farmers are banding together into a co-op and see that it doesn't matter how big or small the business is, business problems are the same. Business Class Expert insight into the world of business The host is Dick Drobnik, producer Pankaj Bhushan, director Dan Griffin, web developer Rick Pine, and I am Robin Garthwaite.